0: Unbelievable. Cool. Ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place
1: to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. God's going down, God's stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now?
0: You know, so we ain't really never had no old money. We got a whole lot of new money though.
1: <laughs> metro,
0: you. I'm you. Hey. <laughs> Raindrops, drop top, drop top, smoking, no cooking the hot pot. You? Know your bitch, she yeah, that dot, dot, dot. Cooking the dip in the crock pot, pot. We came from nothing to something. Hey, I don't try nobody. Break the truth. Nobody call up the gang and they come and get janked. All right, welcome back to the Clemson show. podcast. uh This is your host Nick, and I'm so happy to be joined tonight by yet again another STS writer. uh Tonight we've got Matt Golden on the pod. Matt is a writer over at SCS. Has been there for a while. Uh, Matt, how you doing? Doing great. doing great. Yeah, man. Uh, long overdue getting you here on the podcast. so I'm glad we can make this happen. Um, you recently wrote about the tight ends, so thought we'd bring you in to talk about that position group. Um, clearly a fundamental part of this offense. So um, you know thanks for agreeing to come on. Maybe before we get into that, what do you what do you typically write about over at STS? and like you know how would you arrive here as a Clemson fan writing for that for that site?
1: Yeah, so um, I started writing for uh, STS back in the 2014 season. Uh, I think that was when there was a lot of big changes going on at STS. And so I saw I'd been writing for a uh, another uh, smaller sports blog and I saw the opportunity. I I reached out to Brian and uh, worked out great. Uh, So typically I write a weekly football column uh, recently the past few years that's focused on doing ACC power rankings Kind of taking the ACC and you know cutting it into you know the tiers. I mean, obviously, recent years it's been Clemson and everybody else. So it it gets a little fun trying to uh, differentiate between a a six-win NC State and a five-win Wake Forest. But it's it's just it it gives me a reason to kind of follow the conference more. I love it. Also, do um, a lot of baseball coverage. Um, I, I grew up huge Clemson fan and part of that was following Clemson baseball. So, I mean, I love, love doing that on occasion. I'll pinch it and, and do some basketball coverage or do some you know, random coverage. I've done a little bit of softball work for us. And so, I, you know, I try to be the utility player when I can, the specialties are obviously football and baseball, but definitely, definitely cover things when, when need be.
0: Yeah. I find those power rankings real helpful as we scout, you know, upcoming opponents and, Um, When the ACC gets crazy, especially over in the Coastal, it's good to kind of keep track and glad you're there, keeping a finger on the pulse. Uh, Yeah, the
1: Coastal is just, I mean, the Coastal is always a mess. Uh, Yeah. It gets fun. It gets fun to try to do that.
0: Yeah. ACC is best when there's chaos like that. So, um, it's good. Well, Matt, let's talk tight ends. What do you think?
1: So. As as I said in my article, we've had a few lean years on tight ends. Uh, You know, twenty sixteen, you get back to that championship year. Jordan Leggett was really such a huge factor. I mean, he had the game winning catches for, from what I mean, from my memory, the Louisville and the uh, Florida State game, and had a few key catches in the Alabama game. He was just such an important part, and we haven't had that. The guy that we last year were excited about was Braden Galloway. You know, Braden, if, if for people who don't remember, was one of the ones that tested positive for Ostarin during the 2018 playoffs. Missed that. Missed the majority of the 2019 season. Came back for the Fiesta Bowl against Ohio State. And had a had a nice catch in the national championship against LSU. Um, I believe that was his only catch but that was we kind of thought he might be a secret weapon coming into the playoffs that year we used him a little bit but there was only so much you could do that game and so I I really was hoping Braden would have a big year in 2020 he had a great game against Miami had a few you know moments and he actually had probably one of probably got more targets in that Notre Dame game where the first one where DJ got his first start or second start, so that may that may be a tendency that DJ
0: falls back on the tight end more than Trevor. Yeah, yeah, obviously that's gonna be you know a big big thing to look for this coming season. And um in your article, I I was gonna ask you like let's break down this position room here. Um, some other guys got some run last year. So Davis Allen, um, I think we saw him have an explosive game against Georgia Tech, and man, he was. He was a footstep away from taking a third touchdown in against Ohio State that I maintained would have changed the outlook of that game entirely um, in in the uh, what the Sugar Bowl. So, um, anyway, Davis Allen, another guy who's back in that p- position.
1: Yeah, Davis, I mean, he really has impressed me. And he even go back to 2019, he impressed me. I believe he had a touchdown in that opening game against Georgia Tech. He's from Georgia, so he obviously loves playing against the Jackets. Hopefully he likes playing against Georgia, too. But he, he has a lot of potential, um, pretty good hands, seems to find his way open. So he's a guy that if Braden doesn't step up and make himself the alpha, Davis could take that and become our main guy, kind of become that Michael Palmer guy that you rely on in the clutch.
0: Right, for sure. And, I mean, would you between the two, would you profile Davis Allen as a little bit better in the blocking game, or are they both sort of not necessarily known for that?
1: I'd probably go Davis Allen's a little bit more of a blocker. Um, I think Braden's kind of the a, a Jordan Leggett the oversized receiver on the line.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously this has been a focus of the recruiting staff for quite some time, um, trying to bring talent in, you know, chasing that ghost of Leggett, trying to get, you know, that that part of the offense going again. Um, so Jalen Lay, another name that I think Clemson fans have heard a couple of years just based on his talent coming in. Um, any, I mean, talk about oversized. Like he, he strikes me as like the prototypical frame that you want in a in a pass catching tight end. Um, what are what do you understand about you know what he could bring to the table? I mean, Lay physically
1: is probably the you know, the one when you talk about people who they come off the bus looking good, that's Lay. I mean, he's six seven to seventy. I mean, you really can't ask for much more in a tight end. The numbers haven't been there. I mean, granted. He, you know, I think last year was really his first time getting a lot of uh, more reps than he had been. So we'll kind of see as he develops. Still kind of a young guy, but I mean that's a that's a guy. When you've got a guy that's six seven, you know that size, the end going to work. And I go back, um, you know, growing up in Georgia, I grew up a Clemson fan, but I also followed UGA heavily, and I remember. UGA in the early 2000s during some of the Mark Rick years, having Leonard Pope and Marsh Rez Milner, one was like six seven, one was six six. You kind know, look in tight ends that you get to the red zone, you throw up a jump ball, they're going to get it. And I think Lay could really be that guy.
0: Yeah, and it's it's honestly been, I think he he came down with a touchdown last year. I forget which game it was. And um that I agree, like sort of in that in that red zone area. I don't think it was a jump ball necessarily, but um, that would be great because I don't know. I mean, certainly last year that was a that was a point of emphasis of struggle for Clemson's offense is like having that one receiver that you can trust with in that in that section. I guess the question is like, how are his hands um, able to kind of hold up on that? But time will tell.
1: Yeah, we'll just we'll kind of have to see. And yeah, last year you know we didn't have necessarily that jump ball receiver. Some of that's probably injuries. I know. I mean, Engata was out for. A lot of games. EJ Williams had some great games, but then was kind of, you know, I know he, I think he battled some injuries too. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see a lot of the tight ends develop. You want to see kind of the wide receivers, what we can do with a healthy wide receiver pool. We were we were milling a lot of it last year.
0: Yeah, very good point. I think um, what I wanted to emphasize and get your take your take on here is it is going to be a new look offense. You mentioned DJU starting quarterback coming in. Um, our hope is a bit more, um, solidarity across that offensive line, you know, another year in the system for most of these guys. Um, so just from a blocking standpoint, I mean, I think the pass pro last year was strong. Um, but across the board, you know, new stable wide receivers, some of those are guys have been around the system for a while. So Justin Ross is back in the slot. That'll certainly play into some of the balls over the middle of the field. You would imagine, um, which opens up things for the tight end. And then, you know, guys on the outside, we've got a lot of hope for Ingata and Latson coming back and Joe Joe, everyone's talking him up too. So, I mean, it's going to be a new look team and um, not only from a player standpoint, but um, as we were talking about in the last pod with Ben um, from a coaching standpoint too. Uh, some change here, that definitely impacts the tight end role with Tony Elliott um, taking over Dan- for Danny Pierman uh, coaching up the tight ends so that CJ, they can make room for C.J. Spiller to coach the running backs. So um, to kind of get this into a place where we can talk about it from a, an expectations and a question standpoint, um, how do you feel like that reemergence of receivers and maybe still some question marks at running back, how do you see that kind of playing out with the tight ends role in this offense?
1: I mean, I think this year you might see – a little bit of what we saw early 2017 in the sense that we're going to have some questions at running back, and but we know that DJ can run, kind of like when you, Kelly Bryant, was a good runner. And, I mean, I, the thing is, DJ's a better passer, obviously, but I, th- I think that a lot of the offense is going to run through DJU, either him keeping the ball on, you know, third and short instead of giving it to ETN like we've been used to. But that also, I think, when you have a running quarterback, especially one that can pass like him, it opens up, you know, opens up a lot more passing that that we can utilize. And if we have a healthy, good wide receiver staff, that makes things more open for the tight ends as well. So, I, I think we could. I think the passing game could really be important this year, especially early on as we're trying to figure out running backs. I think as the year goes on, somebody will emerge. I like Cody Pace a lot. Um, I know uh, there's, there's a few other guys. I mean, the fact that Jay Malusi transferred to Wisconsin, like the fact that we're like our fourth string running back is probably going to start at Wisconsin, who has had a good reputation of producing running backs. It, it's crazy. We've got dudes like the talents there. It's just, it's getting them, it's getting them used to it. I, you know, as, as excited as I am about getting Georgia game one. I would much rather us be like breaking them in against South Carolina State because I think that's going to be the bump in the road. It's just they're young, but I mean, last year they got reps. Kobe Pace got uh, got some pretty good reps against Georgia Tech, I believe he scored. Will Shipley will be exciting. Everybody's talking about him. Um, look good in the spring game, so that will be that will be fun. Uh, I, I just I hope that you know, Dabo kind of just rolls with whoever's got the hot hand I know he sometimes has had a tendency to go with the old gun and I, I, I first game versus Georgia I mean if Will Shipley's running loose like CJ Spiller you, you go with him I mean I, I don't care about who's who's earned reps you just got to go with who's the best
0: yeah and I feel like it was Feaster CJ Fuller um, and Adam Choice back in 2017 and then it kind of took until we played Lamar Jackson in Louisville, you know, third fourth game of the season, for ETN to get that that burn. When it was pretty clear right away, they probably should have had him taking snaps first game of the season, uh, that year. Was that against Auburn? I think it was. Auburn was like yeah, right in that yeah, zone.
1: yeah. That Auburn game, I believe. I believe our lead rusher that game is Kelly. I mean, uh, for the until about I feel like about midway through that season, Kelly was kind of our running game. Uh, Feaster had a, you know had his moments, but it we we were very quarterback dependent, which I think hurt us a lot in the Syracuse game.
0: Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, I, I, there are definitely parallels. I, I've kind of drawn this to to that situation, both with running back and um, so anyway. Yeah, when we take it back to the tight end position, I do feel like last season it was um, change of pace, you know, for the offense, kind of catch the catch the uh, secondary or the linebacker sleeping a little bit, you know, peel Davis Allen off and hit him for a touchdown up the seam could see that playing out again too. I guess one question I have is kind of like what, what if anything is the impact of Tony Elliott coming over to coach up the tight ends, you know, is he going to see be able to see the wrinkles differentiating these three lead tight ends and figure out how to plug them in in a way that he couldn't, you know, by coaching up running backs, coaching the overall offense, you know, maybe he wasn't getting that kind of signal in from Danny Pierman as much. So I would say that's like one one potential bright spot if you're just looking to see these tight ends get a lot more of a, of a role in this offense is like you got the the guy calling the plays, you know, fully familiar with what you're bringing to the table.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to imagine that Elliot being there day in, day out. That's going to mean that's going to mean he's going to try to get the tight ends in more or it may mean that he, he sees every day that we don't necessarily have it at tight end and that we don't use it. It just, I think it's going to depend on the players to show up. I'm, I'm curious with Elliot just because he, I don't, to my knowledge, hasn't coached tight ends before. Uh, Clint, this is a very unique position where, we're in a really unique position because I was looking around the ACC and SEC, the bulk majority of offensive coordinators coach quarterbacks, uh, we, and for, I mean, we, Chad Morris was, I think, the last offense coordinator we had that was the quarterback's coach as well. Uh, Scott and Elliot Scott was wide receivers. Elliot was running back. And so now you move Elliott to tight end. And that's not a, I mean, our running backs were good. It wasn't Elliot wasn't doing his job. It was the CJ Spiller came in. We feel like he can do a good job at running back. And we feel like we, Elliott, they must have seen something with Elliott that they think he can turn some tight ends around.
0: Yeah, definitely, and um, I mean, it it could be a case where, though he has not coached them before, um, and it, it may take may take a while, may take more into the season for him to really like feel out that group. I mean, he's trying to break in a whole whole new offense overall, so or a lot of personnel across the board. Um, so Tony Elliott, busy guy. Um, we hope he's getting a lot of sleep and eating right and all of that. Um, but I, I, yeah, again, I feel like. This is one of the more interesting, maybe unsung position groups of the overall team in that you are starting to see some talent come back into the position and some depth. And, you know, if one guy at the top's not working out, you made the point. Um, they may have a short leash with some of this.
1: And that's the thing. I don't know that Braden Galloway has been bad. I just don't know that he's been an X factor.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's funny because. We said the same thing about Leggett for a couple of years. His first, of oh, yeah, years, right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I kind of feel like we'll see. You know, the table's set. I mean, he's saying the right stuff in the the interviews with the, you know, with the the Clemson media beat. So, um, should be fun.
1: And I think what we have to remember is that outside of the Georgia game, we've got eleven other games we can kind of play around with. I mean, that those. Pretty much made this thing where he can use ACC games as you know 60-minute practices in front of a live crowd. So I, I imagine we will probably see a game against you know a Wake Forest or something where we might go tight in a little more tight in heavy trying to get them trying to get them out get them ready for the postseason. So that I mean I'm I'm not worried about the long term. You know, it's just it's a game one. You just you're very I'm very anxious to see what happens game one.
0: But right. Yep. I think they ride with the guys that know they can depend on as much as they can. And who knows that could end up being Davis Allen. I mean, he was pretty heavily featured down the stretch last year, mentioned his role in the Ohio state game. So I don't know, that could very well have been a Trevor Lawrence preference though. And to your point, DJs seem to connect with um, Galloway in that Notre Dame game. So um, all, all little games within the game to look at in terms of who's who's out there against the dogs. Um, Matt, I wanted to pivot us. So uh, maybe if you have any parting thoughts on tight end, just wanted to check on that first. But
1: I mean, again, I think the talents there, as, as we talked about, Dalen Lay. I mean, he's got everything you could ask for in a tight end. It, it, it will break through at some point. I mean, I, I think by late November, we should have a, we probably will see a little bit more of an emergency tight end. It's just, it, it may be a slow start.
0: Yeah, That's fair, and it's not an indictment on that position group, it's just like it's going to be an abundance of talent across the offense. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see who. Uh, real important question here Who's the most sweat swaggerific tight end on the team? Who are you feeling so, to, like takes that home this year? So,
1: I did a little Instagram research, I think, I think Braden's got to go number one, okay, but I think. You know, he, he does pretty well. About, but number two, I'm going to go with the freshman, Jake Breeningstool. And okay. the big thing with him is he's a freshman tight end, and he's wearing number nine. He's wearing a single-digit number. And it's not just any single-digit number. It's the number that Lane Gallman and ETN have worn. I mean, to come in, you got to be something special to do that, especially as a tight end. So I, I'll give him that.
0: Yeah, special nod for, for uh, that, that young swagger he's got coming in with. Um, good. Good to know. Um, all right, well, why don't we pivot and talk season expectations overall for this football team? Um, I'm going to do kind of lightning round, let you unpack it as you go, but I want you to tell me what you think Clemson's regular season records going to be. Uh, who do you think's coming out of the coastal on that side of the ACC? Wh- what's your playoff matchup across the board or who are the four, I guess, that make it into the playoff this year. And, uh, for Clemson, what do you think the season outcome is?
1: All right, so, I mean, I think the regular season record, it's, it's either going to be 11-1 or 12-0. You know, the, the Georgia game is kind of the wild card that we don't know. I i personally think we, we will come out and win. The fact that Will Muschamp is on the opposite sideline makes me think we'll win as well. But we'll, we'll see that Georgia team's talented. They did, have a, they did have a few more players that they've lost for that. Uh, I think they're down their first two tight ends. Talking about tight ends, so that we'll see how Kirby and the Dogs kind of, kind of handle that one. Um, as far as the coastal, the the hot pick is UNC, and I think if we know anything about the coastal, that's not the way to go because it's, it it just doesn't seem to work that way. But I, I feel like it's going to be them or Miami. I mean, I I cannot, you know. I'm going to say this and something stupid like uh, Duke's going to come out and win the coastal, like that will be like 11, be like 10 and two and go to like the peach Bowl or something. But my, my, my safe bet would be either UNC or Miami.
0: Yeah. I think Miami's got overall, just a really tough schedule in the out of conference. You know, they've got Alabama and they play Notre Dame anyway. I mean, obviously they, yeah, they, and it's also about the timing of their, of their opponents too. So it's going to be, if it is Miami, hats off and respect to them pulling it off. Um, I think we have a lot of questions about that happening. A dark horse for me in the Coastal is going to be Pitt. Uh, they got Kenny Pickett back. I think they do have a favorable home and, road, home, home and road schedule You know, laid out. They do get Clemson at home, which if you know you're going to get obliterated by Clemson, you might as well come to Death Valley. So that way you you know, can play some other opponent at home, but um, outside of us, I think Pitt's going to be an interesting game um, overall for a lot of, a a lot of other teams. Uh, But I agree the Coastal does tend to cannibalize itself and that favorite team usually tends to trip up. And
1: I just, I mean, a lot of what I think UNC's hype is comes over them losing by three points to Clemson a few years ago. I think they're I think they're a good team. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't know that they're going to be as elite in the coastal as everybody thinks. And, and I think they're they're subject to fall of that
0: coastal nonsense like anybody else. And they got obliterated by Notre Dame last year. So yeah, yeah, people forget um, that. People do forget that. So we'll see. I mean, yeah, sounds like you're not too worried about Clemson facing off against whoever does come out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's to that point that I, I really don't get too nervous about ACC. Now that that could change. I mean, I was I was anxious going into the ACC championship this past year because we did lose Notre Dame. Granted, without Trevor Lawrence, without James Skalski playing third string linebackers, but you know, you kind of went in there It's like, you know, Notre Dame, look, they're they're legit, and then you kind of see. Clemson's healthy. Clipson puts it together. Clipson. we know how to put it together when we need to. And so that's – it. I don't I don't see too much reason to be worried. But, I mean, who knows? North Carolina may come out and run the table. And uh, Sam Howell looks like the second coming of James Winston. And I'm just like, I do know. We might lose it. But for right now, no. I think clipson has got to be your heavy favorite. Cool. Who's in the CFP? So, I'd probably go Bama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and then my my I guess my other guess would be Ohio State. Probably, I mean, that's kind of chalk for that. I just, I'm not really sure who else, you know, I know everybody wants to dream of this where uh, Coastal Carolina gets a shot or Cincinnati. I just I don't see it happening. And I think, as we've seen in the past few years, I mean, Clemson, we got a Obliterated by Ohio State last year, but you also can't tell me that Clemson wasn't the third best team in America. I think just we were on the talent differential; it just it was there for whatever reason. And so this, you know, I mean, it'd be awesome if Clemson could play Coastal in the playoff game, but like it's going to end sixty to nothing. So I just I don't see that happening. But I think yeah. I think you got to go with the favorites.
0: Yeah, and what's what's tricky is you know, Cincinnati gave Georgia a game and a half last year in the bowl game. And, um, that was not a playoff atmosphere for Georgia. You could talk about how, how prepared they were for that game, how into it they were, but they sure were trying hard to not lose that game at the end. Um, and they did win, but the only thing for me, like maybe Cincinnati does earn getting into that based on that showing with Georgia. And then obviously for them to have a sniff at it, they'd have to go undefeated, but they do have Notre Dame and Indiana on the schedule. Indiana's, you know, not the, not the Indiana of our, our lifetime in football. They, they seem to have a puncher's chance. They're middle of the class, upper middle class, a uh, Big Ten at this point. But I think you're right. I think Cincinnati, um, they'd probably fare worse than Notre Dame did last year against Alabama or a couple of years ago against Clemson. So um, it's agreed. There's basically a pecking order that's out there. I do think Oklahoma has kind of moved up a little bit themselves into, into that tier. I think before we would, we would peg them a little bit with Notre Dame where, you know, they, and then look, they've, they've shown it on the field. They've gotten repeatedly blown out in the playoff, but I do think, you know, there's signs of life out of that defense and they've got some continuity of a starter coming back for a second year at quarterback, which hasn't happened since Baker Mayfield. And the last time that happened, that was a pretty good Oklahoma team that lost to Georgia. So.
1: Yeah. I mean that Oklahoma team, Barely lost to Georgia. We very easily could have seen an Oklahoma Alabama championship that year. That that Oklahoma team kind of like the 27 2017 Clemson team drawing parallels this year. I kind of see the parallels for that Oklahoma team. And this team, I think Spencer Rattler is probably your favorite for Heisman early season. I mean, he's probably the the go-to at this point.
0: Yep. Sam Howell is probably like. Right there with that. Just the question: Sam Howell is going to get his stats, I feel like, but will he get the wins? Is the question mark?
1: And you know, our husband better to go on a guy from a non-traditional football power? You know, I feel like that tends to that tends to play into it somehow. I know, you know, you had Robert Griffin the third from Baylor, that was kind of a unique one, but I, I feel like there is there is something about. Having that, you know, having that Crimson Alabama helmet or having an OU on your helmet that you get in a few points, and probably the reason that Clemson hasn't got one yet.
0: Yeah, you almost have to put in that extra effort, don't you? Or like, yeah. you know, have, have that much better of a showing, which Lamar Jackson was undeniable in 2016 when he won, like at least as far as September went. Obviously, he cooled off down the stretch and, um, we thought Deshaun Watson had a good good shot at that one or had made a very good case. But um yeah, it, it does seem like if it's a non-traditional power, there's that like little extra, you know, burden of proof you got to put out there.
1: Yeah. And I mean Lamar, I think at the time I was like, man, I think Deshaun was probably better. Seeing how bad Louisville was after Lamar, it, it makes sense. He he really was. I mean, he was carrying that team.
0: Yeah, when it comes to I know the Heisman's not an MVP award, but Lamar was the most valuable player to his team, to his program, to their success that year. I will gladly give that up. But Deshaun was excellent. So we're always going to be a little bit salty.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, all right, Matt, with prediction time. Where do you think Clemson ends this season? What's your What's your expectation? What are you thinking?
1: I think this year we make it back to the national championship. Um, I'm I'm not sure if we win or not. Uh, I just – I really have to see. I think it will probably be a Clemson-Bama final again. I, I'm going to have to see uh, how Bama does before I really can make a commitment on on us winning it or not. I think we have a, a leg up on Bama because DJ got some pretty good snaps last year, whereas Bryce Young I don't, I don't think has gotten the quality of snaps. So we'll we'll kind of have to watch with that. Obama uh, is replacing a lot. I mean, having Justin Ross back for us is huge. So, uh, I mean, I, I think I think making the national championship should be a reasonable expectation for for Clemson this year. And then you kind of you kind of have to just see what happens in that game, see how the season plays out.
0: Sure, would be nice if we could avoid Ohio State in the playoff this year. Like, I, I'd gladly take Oklahoma again. I think we're due for a shot at them. Um, you know, would their offense keep me up at night? Maybe a little bit, but um, I'm pretty sure Brent Venables doesn't want to get embarrassed for a third consecutive year on a national stage. So he'd probably find something to pull out there, you know, to prevent that happening, especially against his former team still. So uh, that'd be my hope. You know, if, if things play out chalk, as you said, which I'm probably going to predict that myself, too, like it'd be cool to get to match up with the Oklahoma, however that draw plays out
1: definitely that'd be fun. Um, we, you know, we haven't, we haven't gotten Oklahoma in a few years and it's always fun. Now I'm, I'm trying to remember what are the locations for the playoff this year? Uh,
0: I believe this is going to be Dallas and Miami. So the orange, no new Orleans, no new Orleans, no new, or, no new Orleans, but also no Rose bowl. So wow. yeah, we avoid new Orleans, which is good for, <laughs> we need a, we need a break.
1: Yeah, we just it it never
0: works out there for some reason. I don't know if the players get to go enjoy Bourbon Street too much or what what it is. I mean, and look, you know, my prior comment, I'm going to caveat that and say I do think we owe Ohio State a little bit of comeuppance and a rematch. So that would be fun to get that. Um, But I'm I'm trying to see Clemson win a natty here. So give me give me Oklahoma over Ohio State in terms of a matchup
1: definitely give, give me a give me a Oklahoma team that I know we can score points on and I think I think we cruise and I think we cruise into the natty with
0: that yep cool man well any any last thoughts I mean what you know obviously that that's a that's an impressive showing for a Clemson team I know we're spoiled and um, and all of that but I think you know to, to get back to the natty or get back even to the playoff um, with a lot of question marks across the team I think would be an achievement so yeah um, you know, maybe what's the one or two things you're most excited about, about this team coming up? I think the thing is, and I think a lot of Clemson fans forget this, is
1: you got to enjoy each week. Uh, we're in a very, I mean, when I was a kid growing up watching Clemson, waking up on Saturday morning was exciting, but also very anxiety producing because like we might be in the top 10 Georgia Tech team. We might lose to a four win Maryland team. You didn't know. Now, I can pretty much wake up most mornings and know that we're going to win. I know we had the occasional Boston College last year where it was like we were down, you know, 17 and a half. But, the, I mean, the fact that we can do that, is that we can just be this confident, like, you got to enjoy it. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's boring when we went by 40 every game. You find the little things, you know, enjoy watching – the Sweeney brothers get like a hundred yards against wake forest or something like that. Just have fun with it.
0: Yeah, no, well said. And it's like, these are the good old days. Um, You can look around at teams like Nebraska that they've been, they've been lost in the woods for two decades right now. Like, you know, this stuff can also unravel very quickly and um, life sucks at that point. So, um, you know, yeah. Would we like the intrigue week to week or, I'm sure Clemson fans would love to, some would love to see us run up the score and rack up all kinds of Heisman worthy stats. I don't know if 80 to nothing's better than a 40 point win in terms of that department, but um, you know, yeah, we'd love to see like a tougher schedule in the ACC iron sharpens iron. It gets you ready for playoff caliber opponents, but um, that's not what's going on right now. So you got to find more joy somewhere. Yeah. I mean,
1: we, we can't control anything outside of us. I mean, fans can't control anything, but Clemson's team can only control what it can't control. And the fact that the ACC is bad, I mean, it's, it's nothing we've done. And it's people will sit here and say, well, Clemson plays a week schedule. It, it, by design, we've tried to go out. and we, We've gotten Auburn and Texas A&M and teams like that. And it works sometimes. Sometimes they have an off season. And that's some of the nature of the beast with college football scheduling because you have to schedule 10 years in advance. And, you, know, you schedule A and M when they have Johnny Manziel. It's like this will be a prime time game, and then they're not that good when you get them. So, it you know, I, I get a little annoyed with the whole oh they play a week schedule because so much of that is really out of like the teams. Yeah, my
0: my counter to that is while we do show up against the top three to five teams in the country, you know, having like a seven 700- hundred. Uh, winning record or, or 700 record against them, give or take. So um, that may be true, but still show up in big, in big games when it when it matters. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess parting thought. You know, we are facing off against the dogs. You are a Georgia native. You're smack dab in the middle of Bulldog Country. Where would you say Georgia fans are right now, just from a psyche standpoint, again ahead of this matchup and as a state of their program, you know, it's been since 1980, since they won a natty um, they've made the playoff once, you know, they're, they're obviously as close as you can get, but um, where's their psyche right now? And if this isn't the year, like, where do you think they go from here?
1: So I think a lot of them are still, you know, confident. This is going to be the year. I think there's, a, there's still a mentality of Georgia fans that, you know, Clipson will fold against the SEC team, which I mean, we've seen year after year that, that doesn't necessarily happen, but, you know, I would say that that dog fans, it's, it's one of two things. They're either ridiculously confident that they'll come out, hit, hit us in the mouth and it'll be over, or they're the doom and gloom kind that are like, this isn't, uh, um again, I, I, it's, it's just, it's a very bipolar fan base. Uh, I think that you have a lot that are just very, del- not to say delusional, but very, overly optimistic no matter what happens and that they, you know, they truly are thinking that they should be at the level of Alabama. You have some that are just are a little bit beaten down and I get it. They've had a lot, you know, and it, it's a weird thing because as much as I love to razz Georgia fans about the 1980 thing, college football is such a different animal. It's not like in the NFL going from, you know, 40 years without a championship. I mean, four teams out of 119 teams get a chance to play for a championship. And that's only been in the last seven years. Until then, you had to deal with the whole BCS. So I think if you're realistically a college football fan, you should probably not get too hung up on, you know, how long has it been since we won a natty. But I also understand because Georgia literally has had Florida win two, Clemson win two, Bama win. However many, Auburn has picked up one. Uh, I mean, even if you go back to the 90s, Georgia Tech and Tennessee. So there, I definitely understand that, you know, why not us mentality, kind of like the, the 04 Boston Red Sox. But it uh, – I mean, I think I think there's a lot of – there's a lot of excitement for, for Georgia football this year. But I think there's also a good bit of the, okay, like when's this other shoe going to drop? And I, and I think if Georgia wins week one – you're going to have a good bit that are like, this is great. This is awesome. Okay. Where are we going to mess this up? You know, are we going to, are we going to start out eight? No. And then you know, drop the ball against uh, Brian Hartson at Auburn, you know, in November. And, and uh, that's, that's kind of, it's just, I think the fan base, there's a lot of that, that, uh it, which that's how Clemson was until 2015, really. I mean, we, we always kept waiting for something to go wrong. I think, 20, in 2013, we started out amazing with that Georgia win, and then you just kept being like, all right, what's going to go wrong? And then FFT in South Carolina went wrong. So I, I get it, um, but that that kind of is is where the fan base is right now.
0: Yeah, and I guess where I am at, complete outsider to it, even to the rivalry, um, you know, I, my Clemson fandom started well after we had ended the annual rivalry with Georgia, Um, we played them a few times since I've been a fan, but, um, for me, it's kind of like, they've got it just about as good as any program out there right now. I feel like they just got to keep going. Like, it seems like they've turned things around in terms of their offensive identity and what they're trying to do to me. That's, that's been the biggest flaw of the Kirby smart regime. So if it doesn't work this year, like go out, get, get another quarterback and, you know, continue to try to modernize your offense and your football team. Like it's not fire fire Kirby or put him on the hot seat if this season doesn't play out for them because um, the talent's there it's like what what more are you going to ask for in terms of program building at this point other than finding their version of Deshaun Watson which incidentally Georgia native um, but you know like yeah they got to probably put up barriers in the state and keep their guys home and find the right quarterback I mean I love I love keep like having them be down and my whole thing, if you haven't heard me say it, is if not us, I'm fine if Bama wins it every year because the minute you let Kirby Smart or Ryan Day, um, or somebody else win the Natty, like that's just gonna make it that much harder for Clemson to compete and you know everything else. So, if not us, Bama, it's kind of yeah. Kind of where I'm at.
1: I, I I agree with that a hundred percent. And at this point, I'm I'm kind of numb to Bama winning championships. I mean, right. I used to be like. Yeah, I'd get annoyed when they say we've won seventeen or whatever. At this point, I don't care.
0: Yeah, I'm lose used, count. I'm
1: used, to, I'm used to them. I don't care. This one, they win it. That's that's fine. Um, I think I think Georgia fans would be a uh, would be a whole whole another animal if they actually won one.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, you know, let's let's get one from them in week one and hinder their chances there, and we'll continue this streak. Definitely. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, great work over there at STS. Um, where can people find you? Obviously on Shake of the Southland. But
1: yeah, so if you want to follow me on uh, on Twitter, I'm at mattfg53. Um, I'm also on Instagram with the same mattfg53. So those are those are my main social media. Um, if you want to follow me, I'm not as active on Instagram as, as I like, but uh, definitely, yeah, feel free to follow.
0: Yeah, sounds good, Matt. You do a great job on Twitter, um, keeping keeping your finger on the pulse of college football overall. So um, definitely a great follow, and you know keep the keep the power rankings coming. Looking forward to seeing that as we you know face off against ACC opponents starting with Week Three. Uh, we get NC State early, so we're going to be interested to see how they start their season, and that could end up being one of our toughest matchups of the year. Not worried about that. Happy to get Dave Doran back on the schedule though.
1: Definitely. I mean,
0: it's just. Too much fun to mess with the guy, right? Indeed. Well, thanks, man. Um, to our listeners, you know, look for more shaking the Southland interviews coming up. Uh, we're going to be get, connecting with DBBM, talk through the offensive line coming up here soon, and a few others as well. So, um, you know, we're going to keep these rolling. Hope, hopefully, you guys find these, you know, compelling look into these season previews that the staff over there has done a good job putting together. Um, so, thanks for that, and as always, go Tigers.